0: All right, grab your Bibles this morning, and uh, let's continue our discussion on one of the prayer points that God has for us in 2015, and that God is inviting us to believe Him, to approach Him, and to pursue Him for a greater measure and a greater manifestation of God's healing power here in our house, in our city, in our region, and beyond. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for what you've done this morning, what you've spoken, how you've encouraged, how you've led, how you've guided us. And Lord, I'm even believing how you've healed us and how you are healing us. And Father, we pray that at the preaching of the Word of God, that you would heal even as the Word goes forth. Father, we believe and we stake our claim and we have a firm conviction. From your word and from your character, you are a healing God. It has not changed. And so, Father, we continue with faith and with expectation to believe and to announce that healing is here and no more delays. We speak to every sick, afflicted, broken, beat down body and we say, be healed by the love and the grace and the power of Jesus today, now. We speak to our city. We speak to city leaders that are wrestling with sicknesses. We speak to the body of Christ, new life and radiant, every Presbyterian church, God, United Methodist, Vista Grande Baptist, Father, all over, Springs Journey Church, all of our brothers and sisters, God, that are here in this region that are afflicted with sickness, we declare healing. Lord, even to those that don't have a revelation of healing, we pray that healing would surprise them. And we pray that they would become some of the greatest evangelists because of how you've surprised them with the healing goodness of God. We declare Colorado Springs and its surrounding region to be a healing region. We declare that as in days of old when people would come here specifically to receive of the healing grace and the healing rivers of natural waters that flowed in this place. We contend for a place where the spiritual waters and rivers of healing flow in this region. We believe it, we declare it, we announce it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, a few weeks ago, we began preaching on this topic that God is healing today and we laid out what we just very simply established, fundamental truths we believe about healing. I'm gonna do a very short review Then we're gonna get into some thoughts for today. Number one, God is a healing God. If you wanna catch up on this, you can go to the podcast at AntiochDiet.is. Number two, Jesus paid the price for our healing. One of the things that was so profound is that if Jesus just wanted to save us, he could have accomplished that very simply by just dying on the cross. But he experienced brutality in his physical man. He was beaten, he was broken, he was bruised. And the reason why he suffered those things was not just to save us spiritually, it was to bring healing to our physical body. And he was bruised for our iniquities. He was also broken and beaten so that we could experience healing on an emotional level. Things that were done to us of a traumatic nature. Things that were done to us mentally. uh, Memories that have afflicted us, tormented us. Jesus was beaten from the inside out at times even so that we could experience healing on the inside. Number three, we said that God still heals today. Can I get a loud, bold, confident amen to that? How many of you would say that at some point in your journey, you have experienced the healing power of God in your life? Let me just see by hands. That's awesome. Come on, guys, look around and be encouraged by that. Be encouraged by that. I think at times what we do is we say, well, I have not experienced the healing that I'm looking for now, and we can very easily forget the healings that we've experienced in the past, or we can forget the healings that someone else has experienced, and that is one of the powerful elements of being in kingdom community. I can get strength and faith from your story. I can be encouraged by your testimony. God still heals today. Number four, we're gonna pick this up today. If you have your Bibles, go with me, if you would, to the book of John chapter 5, And our fourth point is that God chooses to heal in many ways. Now, I don't have time, even over the next several months, to really unpack this thoroughly and exhaustively. But what I want to do is I want to highlight a couple of different ways, just a sampling of different ways that God heals. And so number four, point A, very simply is, there are times when God initiates. There are times when God initiates, and we're going to find this in John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Read along with me if you have your Bible. I believe they're going to work on putting it up there on the screen for those of you guys who don't have your word with you. Beginning in verse 1, after these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. And in these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at a certain season into the pool, and he stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. And a certain man was there who had been 38 years in his sickness, 38 years in his sickness. New American Standard I'm reading out of. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, arise, take up your pallet and walk. In this particular instance, we find that, God himself initiates healing called the sovereign grace. There is a sovereign grace for whatever reason. And as we analyze the story and look at it from many different angles, we can say, and and I I found myself asking God this, why did you choose him? A very simple fact is the scripture is silent. We don't know. We don't know. What we do know is that there were many people that were sick around this pool We know that many of them were afflicted with diseases, lame, blind. But what we don't know is why Jesus singled this man out. In fact, what we can deduce potentially is that Jesus actually had to bypass a lot of people in order to heal this one man. I mean, imagine the awkwardness. Imagine walking through, excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, I know, I'm sorry. I just bumped into you right there. And just walking by knowing that you had virtue to heal and going into an entire crowd, singling one person out, healing him, and then walking back through that throng of people and not healing any of those. Why did you do that? I don't know. We don't know. Scripture's silent. But what we do know here is that there are times when God in his sovereignty chooses to heal his way, his timing. There are some things I believe that we can learn from the story. Let's go back here at verse six. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? And IV says, do you want to get well? And if we're not careful, I think I preached on this many years ago, if we're not careful, we can actually allow our sickness to become our identity. We can become so accustomed to the limitations of our sickness. We can become so accustomed to having other people wait on us and we can, we can actually uh, begin to enjoy the attention that we're getting. The attention and, and, and the affection that we're getting from being in our state of sickness. Beloved, I believe that God did not create us for our primary identity to be in a place of brokenness. that he's not created us for our identity to be in a place of brokenness. He created us to be whole. He created us to be healers. He created us to represent his wholeness and his healing power to the world and to the earth. And so Jesus asked him a very simple question. Do you wanna get well? Are Are you willing to step out of this identity? Are you willing to step out of having people wait on you Are you willing to exercise some new muscles? Are you willing to go through, because let's let's just be honest, sometimes when you've been so afflicted, 38 years in a place of affliction, everything, he's gonna have to work hard. He's gonna have to work hard to move himself into a place of self-sufficiency. He's gonna have to work hard to move himself into a renewed identity. And so Jesus says, from the inside out, is your heart and your will in an alignment with a desire to get well and to get whole. And it's interesting, this this story really baffles me because it's interesting because the guy never really answers the question, right? He never says, yes, emphatically, I am willing, I am ready. I wanna get well, my heart, my soul, my emotions, my desire are in alignment. He says, well, and he starts to give excuses. He starts starts to map out these excuses. And so we have to be careful as as it, relates to our process and our journey of moving into wholeness. There are a lot of excuses that we can give, but the primary question that we have to wrestle with is, do I want to get well? Do I wanna get well? That doesn't mean that there's gonna be times in our journey where we're discouraged. Doesn't mean that there's not gonna be times when we feel like giving up or throwing in the towel or we, we, we wrestle with doubt or confusion. Listen, all that is normal. All that is normal. I mean, the why questions, as it relates to every area in the earth, when it comes to healing, there's probably no issue that brings so many questions as to why God. Why? I've done everything I've known to do. I've confessed, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've waited, I've I've done all these things, and I don't know why. But settle this in your heart, saints. Father, I believe you can, and I'm willing for you to heal me. A couple of weeks ago here in Pursuit Night, which is our Sunday night service where we pursue God a little bit more deeply, we actually unpacked a very, very critical key, I believe, a very critical key found in Matthew chapter eight, first three verses there. Jesus is with a man who has leprosy and this leper comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then we actually camped for quite some time on Jesus' response, I am am willing. I am. You that, that needs to just get down into the bedrock of our being. God is willing and he's able. Sometimes I think we don't wrestle with the ability part. We, we I think we've got that down. We know that God is able to heal us, but there's something inside of us for whatever reason, I think a lot of it's tied to religious thinking and orphanhood and orphan spirits. And, and, and we attach a lot of our good works to his willingness. Now, listen, you need to understand, even when we royally mess up and intentionally mess up, you need to understand that God is always Willing. There's nothing that you and I can do, and I'm not talking some hyper grace message here. I'm talking about the consistency and the constancy of the heart of God. There's nothing that you and I can do that would change his willingness to heal you. How many of you guys agree with that? Now I think that conceptually and mentally that we can we can re- that registers but I really believe and I want to submit this to you guys I believe that on a heart level there is there's some wrestling that needs to happen. How many of you guys would agree, you know, even hearing that there's something inside of me that just recoils a little bit. Is there anybody in here that that recoils a little bit with? Okay, grace on you. Listen, a revelation of the love of the Father is what is needed. A revelation of the love of the Father. Interestingly enough, even, we even see it over here with this particular invalid in John 5. We find it again in Mark 2. When Jesus heals guys with paralysis, specifically with paralysis, he always he ends up doing a couple of things. The first thing he does to this guy in Mark 2, he says, listen, I forgive you of your sins. You're released. Be healed on the inside. I forgive you of your sins. Remember, remember we walked through this a couple of weeks ago. Listen, I'm paralyzed I think Jesus understood that the root issue of that paralysis externally was a paralysis internally. Self-hatred and self-condemnation and refusing to forgive yourself can actually paralyze you in life. It can paralyze your mentality. It can paralyze your relationships. It can paralyze your spiritual growth. And I believe it can ultimately lead to physical paralysis. You know, this is just a, Theory here, I'm not willing to write a book on it, but there are a number of people that um, that deal with issues that doctors have absolutely no explanation for, no explanation after series and series and series of tests. And is it possible that when we get into trauma, when we get into violation, when we get into abuse, when we get into mistakes, when we get into the issues of self-hatred and self-condemnation, that those things could actually hold the keys to what's going on in their physical man. See, we are so holistically integrated. Your spirit, your soul, and your body are so intimately and intricately connected that if you're experiencing self-hatred, it will manifest. You cannot hate your body and your body not begin to break down. Or you cannot hate yourself and your body not begin to break down. And so Jesus here, number one was saying, are you willing to be healed? Is it a desire? Are you willing to experience wholeness? Are you willing to experience restoration and life? Because at times it will be work. But we see right here, In this particular instance, God initiates that healing. Sovereign grace. Number two, or letter B, there are times when we initiate. Let's look here, if we would, at Mark chapter five. Very familiar story here that I've preached on many, many times as it relates to a woman with a particular issue of blood here in Mark five. We'll pick up the story in verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed over again, In the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered about him, and he stayed by the seashore. And one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and upon seeing him, fell at his feet and entreated him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her, and she may get well and live. And he went off with him, and a great multitude was following him and pressing in on him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for twelve years had endured much at the hands of many physicians. This this language is very very telling here. Twelve years, suffered much, endured much at the hands of many physicians, and then she had spent all that she had, and she was not helped at all. In fact, the condition got worse. How many of you guys can relate to this story here, especially as it relates to physical ailments, physical sicknesses, physical disabilities, physical abilities? Here's a woman. She's gone from doctor to doctor to doctor. She's not getting anything from each of these. And in the process, she's spending loads of money. And yet, she is not seeing the condition improve. Verse 27 After hearing about Jesus, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. You notice know, why it's so important for us to preach on healing, it's so important for us to pray for healing to prophesy, to announce, to declare because that's how faith builds inside of our hearts. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. Now who initiated that? She did. So we see in the previous story, there's a man who has absolutely no access to Jesus. God sovereignly moves in and he initiates that healing. But then We find that there is a woman who, of her own initiation, her own initiative, she reaches out, she touches, she not even touches his physical skin, she just reaches the hem of his garment. And here it says, verse 28, she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. This is what we call a redemptive rite. So what is it? Is it sovereign grace? Is it, is, it, is it God, you know, kind of just spins a big wheel and whoever it lands on, they get healed? Or is it redemptive right? Is, is there a dynamic in the realm of the word and the promises of God and the character and the nature of God where, where he's inviting us and extending to us the potential and the opportunity to experience healing in our bodies? Which is it? Well, I think it's both and. I think there are times when God initiates. In fact, I believe that in all things, God initiates, right? We have everything that we do with God is very simply a response to God. So little did this woman know it, this, this language might be a little bit obtruse as I'm talking about, you know, she initiated. But there was something of the activity of the spirit of God that was, that was pulling her in to that place in that dynamic of faith. But we can initiate, we can initiate. How many of you guys have experienced times where you began to actively partner with the tools and the revelation that you had with understanding to begin to pursue something in the Lord? Right? Listen, that's, that's what the word, that's one of the reasons why the, God gives us the word. It's an invitation. Participate with this, partner within this. It's, it's not this, very simply this sovereign deal where we can just retreat and, and if he wants us to be healed, then he's gonna cause us to be healed. Sometimes God says it's time to mature, it's time to grow a little bit and I'm gonna give you some things to work with and we're gonna talk about those things here in a few minutes. Number three, there are times when others initiate. And this is actually something I feel like God might be wanting to do here in the family of Antioch Church. I'm still trying to really wrap my heart around this I think that there is a corporate dynamic where there are corporate cultures of the resources of heaven that are ascertained. What I, what I mean by that very simply is is that there can be strongholds that we build for positive or for negative. We can build a stronghold of faith in this house. We can build a stronghold of healing in this house. We can build a climate whereby there is a momentum in the spirit to pursue God. We can build a climate where there's a momentum to apprehend the things of God. Mark chapter 2, when he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room even near the door and he was speaking the word to them and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus seeing his faith, their faith. There are times as we see here that other people can actually be very instrumental in initiating the healing process for our lives. There are times where we as a family of believers, life groups, friendships, spiritual fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, all of those authentic relationships that God is building here in the house, I believe that, or let me rephrase this, is it possible that there is actually an invitation for all of us as it relates to one person's sickness within the body? See, Western thought really doesn't naturally go there. Like if, if we were in Asia or if we were in Africa or if we were a little bit more of an Eastern mentality and we're a little bit more community driven, we would understand that when one member of the community is hurting, there's just this thing that just intuitively rises up within the greater community or the family and they rally around that person that's hurting. I was actually talking with, a member of the house here yesterday and he was talking about his experience in small town rural communities and he said man church was just an extension of the community and the community was just an extension of the church and man when one person was sick you didn't have to organize this huge deal it was just people out of authentic relationship were mobilized to help that person that was hurt because that person belonged to the community and as you know as cities get larger some of that gets lost and as people get more fragmented and isolated and segregated, some of that gets lost. And then we have to create these, these systems. But there is a spirit of unity that is available. John Alley, Apostle John Alley, who was with us in November, spoke about holy community. There, there, is, a, there is a spirit, I believe, is a, it, it comes by way of grace of God and by revelation whereby the people in our body who are hurting, it actually begins to hurt us, where it begins to frustrate us. It begins to mess with us. It begins to, you know, I'm not the one who's hurting in my body, but I'm a, I'm a little ticked off. I'm bothered by the fact that the person who is is not yet healed. Anybody ever experienced that? Anybody there right now? God can baptize an entire church in that spirit. He can do that. And, and in fact, I would say that he wants to do that. He wants us to care about one another, not, not in an exclusive um, mentality, but he wants to baptize us in this understanding that when, when one of the families of Antioch Church is hurting, it will affect all of us. And it should affect all of us. We find this very, very rich in 1 Corinthians 12, many, many scriptures that we can unpack as it relates to how the body is connected one to another. We belong to one another. My prayer, as as I have been sitting on this now for quite some time, is that the Lord would move every single one of us to a place where we we all take our respective ownership in the healing process of the people in our body who are struggling and when I say our respective ownership process that is going to look different for every single one of us one of the things that we're trying to get into our kids I love this a couple nights ago I was praying for the kids and we have this routine this habit we sit down on the bed and and I say okay kids um Let's just listen and ask the Lord who he wants us to pray for. And so each of them will listen, and one will have somebody to pray for, and one will have somebody to pray for. And, and by and large, Christy and I, we try to mention all the names of the people in Antioch who are sick, and we want to make sure that we are bringing those people to the Lord on a regular basis. Well, uh, two nights ago, I, I forgot one of the names. And uh, I'm rattling off all these names, and Milan goes, and baby Dakota because she's, she's heard those names prayed and she, and she and Kenya have been praying for those people with us. You, you wanna know how you get that faith and that expectation into the next generation? Let them hear you praying for the sick. Let them hear you carry the family of God to the throne of God. They'll catch it. They'll catch it. They'll begin to care because they innately and intuitively care and that's a way that we can foster that. So there are times when God heals because others initiate. Are we all tracking with that? Listen, I, I think that, um, you know, there's a mentality, and it's, it's very much a, uh, and I understand where it comes from, and I've studied it, and I've even uh, applied it in the past. But I think there's a mentality that anything that's going to be done and the structure of the church, it's going to be done through the CEO and the business council of the church. But listen, you need to understand, God's, this, is, this is not built on that type of organizational model. All right, let me explain this. There are going to be things that God shows you for us that will never enter into my mind. and probably are not supposed to. Can I just let that settle in for a second? You guys, just let that go inside. You know, Mark and Isella Irwin introduced me to the significance and the meaning and the prophetic dimension of the feast. Never, ever. I mean, there are people in my life. Actually, my mother-in-law is one of them as well, and Jerob and Petronod, and there's a number of families here. But listen, I would have never gotten that from direct download from God. Not supposed to. God put people in my life to bring that revelation to me. There are things that are gonna affect this family that are gonna come through you, not me. How many of you guys wanna take that level of ownership? How many of you guys wanna take that level of ownership where you're saying, God, you can speak to me? Listen, listen, there might be some of you who come and say, hey, I don't know, but I just feel like God's saying that we're supposed to call a corporate seven-day fast. And then who knows, maybe, maybe what'll happen is is when three or four or five different people start coming and saying that, then, then kind of this thick, thick, thick-headed guy over here goes, I think God might be talking to us. <laughs> right? Come on. This is, this, this is a family venture. Like we are in this together. We are hearing from the Lord together. Now, that doesn't abdicate my particular responsibilities as a leader of this house, but as a leader of this house, I'm empowering you to hear from God for this house. There are times when others will be significant in initiating the healing process in people's lives. And then finally, and this is a very, very difficult one to wrestle through. This is found in Acts chapter three. Very simply, there are times when it's just not time. And I, I don't have really good answers for that outside of common Christian cliches. Insert laugh. That was, you guys were supposed to just. All right. Acts chapter three, verse one. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour the hour of prayer. And a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down Every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful in order to beg alms of those who are entering the temple. Now, I'm just gonna pause right here. Um, because for the sake of time, we don't wanna just break all of this down. Here's what we know. We know that he was lame from the time he was born. In fact, we know that he was lame from the time he was in his mother's womb, all right? We also know that he was at the temple every single day, which means that there were times when Jesus would have passed by him. How's that, Sherlock Holmes? Got that? Does that, that, that check out, right? Same temple, Jesus would have passed by him Three and a half years, he was there every single day. Jesus, an itinerant ministry, but yeah, there were times when Jesus would have been there and Jesus was willing and Jesus was able. Why didn't he get healed? Have no idea. But here's what I do know, that at this right time, it wasn't Jesus it was one of Jesus's followers. Matthew chapter 10, verse one and two, this is what the scripture says. Jesus gave them authority to heal. I think Jesus intuitively knew, and, and again, Jesus was constantly walking in relationship with the father. He says, I only do the things that I see the father doing. I believe that there were times when he could have healed, but he actually had to practice restraint not to heal because for whatever reason, in his sovereign grace, God was not healing that person, even though Jesus could have broken and transgressed that if he wanted to. Now here's what we see. Here at the birth of the church, Acts chapter two, baptism of the Holy Spirit comes on the church, bam, fire speaking in tongues. Very next chapter, Peter and John are going out. See this guy who Jesus seemingly ignores. Not really, but you know what I'm saying. Doesn't heal. And it was appointed for Peter and John to be instrumental in releasing the power of God for this particular man. And what happens? Anybody know the rest of the story here? Oh, let's, just, let's, just, let's just read it. Let's look right here at verse eight. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk and he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all of the people saw him walking and praising God. That was without social media. (laughs) I mean, think about it. For years from the time he was born and the time that they could, they would sit him at this temple. So I think everybody knew who this guy was. I mean, tight-knit culture, tight-knit community, everybody knew who this guy was. I guarantee you, if you weren't there when it happened, you heard about it very, very quickly because the whole town, hey, you guys know the lame guy at the Temple Gate Beautiful? Oh, yeah, yeah. Guess what? He's not lame anymore. Right? And somehow in his sovereign wisdom, God leverages this particular moment and there are thousands that come into the kingdom. And I cannot even begin to say, I understand that. You wanna talk about why God, like there it is right there. But here's what I know, I know he's good, I know he's able, I know he's willing, and I know that there is a time on this side of heaven or the other where absolute healing will be a reality. And I do know that God is also working on the inside. I know that he's more concerned with your heart and he's more concerned with your wholeness than just fixing something that's broken and you going right back to it because of the root of the issue hasn't been dealt with. All right, if you'll give me three minutes, I'm gonna just fly through this. Number five, we can partner with God's promise for healing. You can partner with this. All right, how do we do this? Letter A, know the promises. Like if you don't know God, if you're believing for healing and you have no scripture you're standing on, there's books, there's, 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 there's scripture books that are written that have nothing but the scripture promises on healing. Get those and immerse your minds. You know, for some of us, our minds actually have to be rewired or renewed to believe in the power of God's healing. It amazes me that there's actually doctrines that have gone throughout entire denominations throughout church history, at, you know, advocating that God doesn't heal, and it's because someone built a theology off of experience instead of building an experience off of right theology. Study the word. Focus on the ability and the power of God. Number two, believe the promises. This is where faith comes in. Study them, read them, memorize them, meditate on them, but then release faith and say, God, this feels like it's impossible, but I'm releasing my faith. I am releasing my faith in your promises. Number three, speak them. Speak the promises. This is one of the most activating ways that you and I can partner and participate with the word of God. Study it, believe it, speak it. And I'm not talking about some hyper fake, charismatic word of faith where you're kind of denying. I'm talking about just standing, getting yourself into the spirit of faith and continuing to announce and declare and decree and prophesy and release the power of God's word over your life. Death and life are in the power of your tongue, in your tongue. So if you're cursing yourself, stop it. How many guys can just receive that rebuke? Stop cursing yourself. Number four, stand on the promises. So study them, have faith in them, partner with them, and then persevere in them, stand. There are some things, especially as it relates to healing, but as it relates to all of life, that that God cannot work out with the exception of just taking time. You cannot build perseverance in a moment. You build perseverance in many moments. You gotta stand in that thing and allow God to build a work of perseverance inside of you not in an orphanhood type of way, very much in a sonship way, when you experience those roadblocks, listen, that's a great time to ask questions. In the right spirit, not in a condemning spirit. And let me just say this, I think, I think, I think asking questions of the Lord has gotten a really bad rap. And we assume that when something happens and it doesn't work, now let me just ask you this, if, if, uh, if something happens to your car uh, and it's not working, do you start asking questions? absolutely you do, right? Why is, why is it making the sound? And why is it not working here? And I push this button. Why, why is it not doing this? Now then why, when it comes to our body, we start acting all weird like we can't ask a question when something's not working the way it should. We go to a doctor, what do they do? They ask us questions. We fill out questionnaires. Listen, let's, get, let's, let's stop getting weird. It's, it's not wrong to say, God, I've been praying for this. I've been believing this and I'm not experiencing this, can you let me know why? I wanna know how to partner with you. I wanna know how to get in alignment with you. I wanna know how to get better. And you think you think a good father's gonna rebuke a son for doing that? That's ridiculous, guys. Get that religious stuff off of us. He invites us. Come on, ask me some more questions. I've got some more mysteries for you. All right, number, number letter E, recruit others. Get people in your life group, friends, family, and listen, let's let's, let's move beyond, hey, will you pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray for you, forget about it, and then we kind of move on. Why don't we get aggressive? You know, one of the great potentials we have in life group community, I believe Joyce Nicodin is healed from cancer because the bonds life group got together and they aggressively went after that thing. This is where you recruit partners in the faith, people that are really gonna fight with you and for you. That's the beauty and the power of kingdom community. Letter F, confess any known sin. I'm not saying that every sickness is because of sin, but I'm saying that if there is sin in your life and the Lord reveals it to you, confess it, repent of it, ask the Lord to touch you, break those things off of you, get healed. Letter G, identify open doors in your life and your bloodline. There is a very real thing called generational iniquities and curses and sins. And if you're not aware of that, we've got tons of people in our house, Becca Greenwood, Bill Suddith, so many others who could do amazing jobs teaching you about how to deal with bloodlines and generational curses and iniquities. Letter H, receive inner healing. We talked about this earlier. And then finally, choose to partner with what is being produced in you. Partner with it. How many of you guys can get in agreement with those things? All right, let's stand to our feet this morning. We're gonna continue to pray. Listen, we're